welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley. And this is week 36 of our 52-week walk around New York City. Yeah. And this week, we were doing our final full week in Queens. That's right. We've done three full months worth of Queens walks now. And this week, we are doing what we're calling a loose ends walk. We'll be doing this for all three of the boroughs we walk for three full months. And the goal is to just hit up some of the neighborhoods that, for whatever reason, uh, in this particular instance, because Queens is such a big borough, uh, there are some neighborhoods at the extreme corners that we didn't flesh out as much as we would have liked previously. Right. Some of the neighborhoods closer to where we live, we've walked through a whole bunch of times, and a lot of the neighborhoods on the edges we just hadn't really explored that much. So, yeah, it was really fun. This week we've gone to Douglas Manor and mm-hmm. Douglaston. And Little Neck. And Little Neck. And Springfield Gardens and Rochdale around the JFK area. And so throughout the podcast, you'll be seeing some video clips from these various neighborhoods while we're talking to our guest. And that is Paul Benedetto. He is president of the Bayside Historical Society and a fantastic guy, fantastic guest. It was lovely to have him on and to learn a little bit about his area of expertise, which is that upper northern eastern corner of Queens, which contains Bayside, obviously, as well as Douglas Manor and Douglaston and Little Neck. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun to talk with Paul. We met him when we first went out to Fort Totten, I think in our first month in Queens. I'm pretty, or maybe it was in our second month It was our second chunk, I think, in November. Yes, it was, because we had a, it was one of our first themes that was the road to Fort Totten, Mm -hmm. of course. And yeah, we had reached out to him because Bayside Historical Society is located in Fort Totten, and we wanted to learn about that space. He was really nice. We got along with him really well. He got us in past the gate to look at the battery, which had been sort of shut down because of COVID. And we were really excited to have him back on the podcast to talk about the rest of that area in Queens. Yeah. So we have a whole episode on Fort Totten that you can take a look at and we'll provide a link. We also have a 360 video that you can take a look at for that week. And yeah, we focused primarily just just across the Little Neck Bay to some of the other neighborhoods there. And also a little bit, well, I don't want to spoil too much. Let me don't be honest. Don't spoil it. Because uh, we're going to get to his interview section in just a few minutes, doing something a little bit different. You know how we like to tweak each episode just a little bit. And it so happens that for longtime listeners of the Total Clarity podcast, mm-hmm. it has been five, well, five plus weeks. So that means we need to do a mileage report. That's right. Yeah, because it's week 36. We need to tell everyone what place in the world we could have walked to each of the last five weeks. That's right. So Jesse did the researching, uh, the compilation of all our mileage to this point, as well as the locations we could have gone to. Yeah. I don't, how, much, how much magical travel was involved this well, time? We'll find out. All right. Sometimes we can uh, only pretend if we walk as the bird flies. Other times we walk as As a human walks. The feet go. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll find out soon. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. So we're starting with week 31. Yes. 
that week, we would have walked 4,061 miles. So it would have been our first week crossing the 4,000-mile yeah. threshold. I yeah. I mean, it was our first. That is how far we walked. Yeah. W but where we could have walked to, yeah. as the feet go, Northway Village, Alaska. Northway Village, Alaska. This is our second Alaskan location, right? I do think that we went to Alaska. Um, it might have even been week 30. Okay. Or week 29. Oh, yeah. I think it was week 29. Okay. Because I think week 30 we went to the center of the earth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, we get around. Yeah. And then we just came back out and went back to Alaska. And Northway Village is just on the western side of the border near Canada. Okay. Um, not too far up north into the state, just uh -huh. about a third or so. In that village, there are 84 people okay. from a Native American community, mm -hmm. which is spelled K apostrophe E H T T H I I G N. And I would try to pronounce that, but on the sheet, the, art, the page that I was reading about this, it said community name, it had that word. And then it said English pronunciation, none. Oh. So I figure I'm not going to try because yeah, why not? it's said that there's no pronunciation. Um, so there's 84 people that live there. There had been more people that lived there much uh, before, but it's a semi-nomadic community. Mm -hmm. And in the 1940s, there was a big flood of the river. So a lot of people left and moved on, but these these 84 people, and well, I'm sure it's not the same 84 people, but some people stuck around. And just one more fun fact, mm -hmm. in 1942, yeah. so shortly after the river flooded, the people who remained named the village Northway to honor the village chief who was named um, Tie Ta, and he had adopted the name Northway from a riverboat captain that traveled through in the 1900s. And Chief Walter Northway was said to be 117 years old at the time of his death in 1993. 117. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a... That's a strong diet of fish, I imagine. That's a very, yeah, that's maybe one of the oldest people in the world. Yeah. So that's week 31. We could have gone there. Northway. Northway Village. Yeah. All right. Week 32. Yeah. 4,192 miles. Okay. So it seems to me like this is the furthest we can possibly walk in any direction on our feet with Google Maps directions. Okay. Because this takes us almost just up to the edge of the Panama Canal. Okay. Cool. And I, how much do you know about Panama City and the Panama Canal? I don't know. I mean, I know the Panama Canal spearheaded by Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, I don't know. If, is that true? He was involved. Maybe spearheaded is generous. I don't know. I feel like it might have been. I don't know. <laughs> there, it was definitely some sort of trading and interest. Uh -huh. But what I learned about when I was reading this is that Panama Viejo, mm -hmm. Viejo, excuse mm -hmm. me, 
which means old Panama, yeah. was a Spanish city that was built in 1519, uh-huh. and it was burned down in 1671 okay. because of these like trade wars. Mm. And I guess this prob- this was before the Panama Canal was built, but I think there was still, I guess the canal was built because it was already a trade route. Okay. But it was tricky. I don't know. I don't, I mean... Sorry, I'm like putting us both on blast here, proving how little we know about the Panama Canal. <laughs> anyway, it was... We should was, know better maybe, about the I mean, canal. I feel like we should, but whatever. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll learn. What, 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 what I learned this week yeah. is that <laughs> it was burned down in 1671 by Henry Morgan, who was a famous privateer. Have you ever heard that term? I had never heard it before. It's okay. basically like a hired pirate. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, this was during a time when England and Spain were fighting about trade and they were like attacking each other's ships. And this guy was hired by England to burn down Panama City. And then when the city rebuilt, they specifically built a wall around the city to protect from pirates. Wow. Yeah, and it's still there. It's like a UNESCO site, okay. the old city. Yeah. Um, so we could have walked. We actually, it was like we could walk like almost right up to that. Right. So. Well, if we had been doing that, we would probably know more about its history. Definitely. That's yeah. definitely true. But it seems like that is the place where Google Maps, no matter where you try to go, it won't let you because I think you can't cross the canal. the canal. There's like a big old bridge that goes over it, but yeah. there's no foot traffic. Oh. I, be- I mean, I assume. Is it uh, car traffic, I guess? Seems that way. Huh. Didn't huh. do that much research. All right. Anyway, week 33. Week 33. 4,323 miles. Yeah. This is now where we're going to start flying. Okay. And flying miles are very different than walking miles uh-huh. because the walking miles, it's actually like on the roads and, and such. Yeah. The flying miles is just a straight shot. Yeah. So... We made it all the way to Peru. Ooh. In the air. Where? Well, I'm very excited about this one. Here we go. And it relates kind of to our project. Um, we could fly 3,648 miles to Lima. Yeah. And then we can get off the plane and walk 660 miles to Olan Tetambo. Okay. And then... We walk on the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, which I've always wanted to do. It's 26 miles. Yeah. You can't do it in, I know, I know. It's like a four day trip though, because you know the elevation there is like insane. Right. So that adds up to 4,334 miles, and that week we walked 4,323. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Wow, you, you gave us quite an itinerary. I know. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Machu Picchu. Yeah, I've, I think the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu has always sounded like a fun trip. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I got to fit that one in. Very good. Um, Week 34. Yeah. 4,454 miles. Mm-hmm. We're going to a new continent. Uh-oh, where are we going? We're going to touch down in Africa for the first time. Ooh. We're going to Tunisia. Tunisia. We're going to Tunis, Tunisia. Okay, great. It's the capital city of Tunisia. Yeah. And Tunis comes from the Berber word for to lay down or encampment. 
And it's also sometimes associated with the goddess Tanith or Tunit, the chief deity of ancient Carthage and a goddess of war. Wow. Cool. Have you always wanted to go to Tunisia? Um, so I, when I worked for a textile company, we like imported textiles from all over the world. And one of the like um, towels that we would bring in came from Tunisia and they were like very soft mm. and really nice colors. Yeah. So probably since I was in college, I was like, Hmm, maybe I should go look at towels in Tunisia. Yeah. But I, to be completely honest, I don't really know much about the country of Tunisia other than that one experience importing yeah. some towels for the person I worked for. Have you ever had Tunisian food? Um, I think I have, but I can't, I wouldn't really be able to tell you what it is. Is. Like, I do think I've eaten at a Tunisian restaurant mm -hmm. once, but I can't tell you. Like, I don't think I have, but. I Well, it's on like, it's in like the Mediterranean kind of area. Yeah. Maybe a little east. I just looked at the map, but yeah. I think it's like a little bit east. We'll have to but, see if there's a Tunisian restaurant in New York we can go to. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that I know what what the type of food is yeah but we'll have to find out yeah now that we're gonna be going there last week yeah we, <laughs> we got it yeah so the final place that we want week we walked 35 to, week 35 4584 miles or 4585 miles we've crossed 4500 miles that's true so what we're going to do here we're going to fly to Tivat, Montenegro, which is 4,545 miles. And then we're going to walk 43 miles to Lake Skater or Skadar or Skadar. I'm not sure how to say that. S-K-A-D-E-R. Okay. It is the most visited national park in Montenegro. Oh, there's five national parks in Montenegro. Which I see. I was like, when I first read that, I was like, is it also like the only national? Because it's not a very big country. Yeah. But there's five national parks in Montenegro. And Lake Skater is the most visited. And the lake is two-thirds in Montenegro and one-third in Albania. Oh. Yeah. And what you can do there, hiking, kayaking, birding, fishing, swimming. There's 250 known bird species and 30 different fish. And most people fish for carp and eat that. Nice. I don't know if I've ever had carp. Yeah, I'm not sure. I looked them up because I thought I knew which ones they were, and I was right. They're the ones with, like, the things, the little, like, burrs on their lips. Yeah, yeah they look like they have mustaches. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what they taste like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, we went all over. Wow. What great research you did this, this week. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. That's it. So if you like that segment, let mm -hmm. us know because we keep doing it. We're going to honestly. We're going to do I'd it anyway. I'd love to know if you like but it. But we like it. Happy to know if you don't like it. Uh, if you don't, like we're not going to stop though because I like it. I, I find it to be very fun. Yeah. Well, but like maybe we'll put like a fast forward option. Yeah. For those of you that. 
Yeah. I mean, you can also just hit the stop button. You can do that yourself. Yeah. Anyway, we always aim to please. <laughs> yes. And what we do hope you will really like is our next guest, Paul Benedetto. Yeah. Yeah, let's go talk to Paul. Thank you, Paul, so much for joining us or having us here today. Happy to have you. Yeah. I'm happy to have you back. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so we're, um, we're at the Bayside Historical Society, and would you tell us a little bit about what that is and where we are and what this building is? Yeah, the building. We're tell sitting us a little in? bit about uh, this space that we're in, which is a fantastic exterior and an amazing interior as well. Mm -hmm. It's both. Um, yeah, well, today we're in uh, what's known as the Officers Club. Um, was built in the 1880s, 1870s through the 1880s by the U.S. Army. It originally was built, this is, we're in Fort Totten in, in Bayside, Queens. Um, it was originally built, it was built by the Army to house um, the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, their, their library and their offices. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was used as such and, and um, it was called the Officers Club because it was a place it was their library and where their, some of their offices were, but it was also a place where officers could come and have, have their events, their soirees, mm. their weddings, whatever it may, may be. So that's, that's that larger floor down, downstairs. Um, it was used for that for, for a number of years, and, and then I think in the early 1900s, um, they left. They mm. moved to another location, but the building remained. It was still used by the Army. The whole base was used by the Army. And, um, and then we later on uh, acquired it. Uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I can tell it to you. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're all um, here. <laughs> there was a state senator, his name was Frank Padovan. He passed away a few years ago. Um, he was state senator for a very long time, I believe 38 years, if, oh not, if not 40, some, close to 40 years wow. he was state senator. And uh, he was great, he had, he had a, he had a, a he really was an advocate for, for neighborhoods and for people who, who lived here. And, uh, you know, being in a city that, because it is New York City, even though it doesn't feel like it here, it's still New York City. And change and, and uh, comes quickly, you know, sometimes in, in cities and big projects. And he was the kind of guy who advocated for the folks who lived here, because folks who live here, you know, I'll, I'll tell you my story too, but, but folks who live here tend to work in, in the city, you know, or in Brooklyn. And, um, but they live here because it's a suburban part of, of New York. Mm. Right. And uh, New York City only, I, I live in a, in a house in Bayside. Um, but um, New York City only has, uh, I think, approximately 15% single family housing. So it's mostly a place that has, you know, multifamily to, to, to very large uh, uh, apartment buildings and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, so he, so Frank was the kind of guy once again who who would advocate for for the for this community to try and keep it a suburban community, and um, and he did it for a long time, but he was also in the army, mm -hmm. and he was an engineer, so um, he was stationed here, I believe, in the seventies, and uh, the building fell into disrepair. He wasn't stationed, you know, here in this building, but he was stationed somewhere on, on the base here. Mm -hmm. And um, so he had a he had a passion for for Fort Totten for seeing it preserved, and for and for saving this building. So um, 
so he worked with the Historic Society to, um, to have it landmarked, which did happen and, uh, in 1976, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, One of the cool things I remember you telling us back when we met in, was it November, right? I think so. We met for the first time <laughs> in November when we visited, did our Fort Totten walk, uh, that the building itself looks like the Army Corps of Engineers logo, right? Yes, that's that's true. Yeah, was uh, and I guess was it it had to have been that the logo already are there other buildings that are made in that way to to mimic that? I think there's another building like this somewhere in in the United States. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So it's it's a really special building and uh yeah, it looks just like the you know, if you see the army uniform. In fact, we could look at it. I don't know if you if you've seen it yet. We could look at at Senator Padovan's uniform oh, cool. that he wore when he was here in Fort Todd, and we have it downstairs. So oh, maybe we can catch some video of that so people can check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it has that that little uh, uh, castle badge. Yeah, you know, and it looks just like the building. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah, and so the the building, I mean, it it has a a ballroom area on the second floor. You guys host events here, correct? Yes. Yeah, we have um, we have our art show. We have our general meeting in there. We have. Um, we have, uh, we have musical performances, jazz brunch, pre-COVID, of course. Right, right. right. Um, although some of that stuff we've, we've, we've done virtually. In fact, this weekend we're recording a, a jazz band. Uh, it's going to be rebroadcast later, but I'm going to record it in the ballroom. You know, uh, so... Um, nice. And other events. So, and also we have, people have weddings here, so... Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful place to be married. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it yeah. really is just like the perfect setting for anything yeah exactly and you were saying earlier before we got on camera which i think we should talk about it a little bit um <laughs> the art show you're doing you've transitioned into doing some things virtually now that's right yes we we uh we had this is our 20th year of having an, an art show wow it's a entirely local community art show so it's it's artists who live you know who either live or work in, in bayside or this you know the Immediate neighborhoods: Whitestone, Douglaston, Little Neck, Fresh Meadows. So, um, and every year it blows blows me away because because you you, well, I see the stuff before because I'm I'm helping to set up the the exhibit, but um, you see this these paintings and these sculptures and uh, and these people are just living out there, you know, yeah, in in the community, right. and, and you always you know you, you think of an art community as you know, what Soho used to be or Williamsburg or other you know neighborhoods in New York City and yeah, they, you know, they're out here too in Bayside. There's maybe less of them, but they're just living in, you know, we don't have a centralized art, art, art community here. So they're out there and, and we get to put their stuff up and, and people come down and pack out that room pre-COVID again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have live music and we have wine and cheese and, and, and we have a, 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 a Neil Slaughter who is an, uh, an art professor and critic from CW Post. He comes every year and, and does incredible work. He examines every single painting. He, he, we create um, a prizes for, for different categories, photography, you know, uh, uh, paint, whatever. And, um, and the whole event is really nice. So, of course, this year we said we're not going to stop. We're going to still do it. So mm. we moved it online, and uh, it's been a huge success online. We have well over 2,000 hits the first day. Wow. And within a week, we had 7,000 hits on it. And uh, normally, we get 300 people who come to the show yeah. on the weekend, and then we leave it up 
for the next three weeks in the ballroom and then people will come, you know, two or three, ten a day will come and mm -hmm. look and that's it. So going forward, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll go back to that, but we're going to keep it online too because yeah. the outreach is, is so good. And I should mention one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that it's not just local artists, it's also we partner with Bayside High School. They have an art, a digital art program. Yeah. And so, uh, so the, the, the kids, the, you know, kids from Bayside High School from that digital art program, uh, their, their, their teachers there will either pick the best ones or all of them. I'm not really sure how, how, they, how they choose. And those also get shown. And, oh, so and, cool. And they do great. Again, just, you just, you, sometimes you just can't believe the quality. And all this stuff is on our, our website, baysidehistorical.org. And it's currently there right now. Uh, I'm not sure when it gets broadcast. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. it should be there. It'll, it'll probably be in, in, on the page in some form, even after the show was over. Yeah. And uh, you, can all, you can look at it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to look at it myself. I think the point you made about it all being local artists is actually really exciting to me, too. Being someone that considers myself an artist as well, yeah. and always having this idea that, like, I have to live close to the city, or I have to be, like, in Brooklyn where the art, like, this idea that, you know, you could live, we are still very close to the city in Bayside, but it is further out, it is a little more suburban, and that there could be a community of artists anywhere, That's right. and that there's really great talent, like, it's in yeah. all of us, too, to some degree, like, yeah. humans can make stuff. It is. And, yeah. I think it's really interesting to note, too, from the perspective of this year, that we've been going through and as it goes into year two, <laughs> um, how yes. there are these things that are going to be so transformational about this experience in a, in a positive way, or just, you know, I don't know if the Bayside Historical Society would have necessarily thought that online would be the way to go to continue to grow, yeah. but it looks like now that maybe that's an avenue moving forward. And how many, how many instances like that are happening in the city, in the country, in the world, you right. know? It's uh, pretty remarkable. No, it's definitely, you know, something like this, you know, a pandemic comes, what, a hundred, every hundred years or so, I, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, it is, you said it perfectly, it is, it is really a transformational thing. And, um, and like any other kind of change like that's so catastrophic as, as insignificant, you want to make the best of it. Yeah. So whatever we can do here, you know, another thing that we've done is we've, we have this education program. It's, it's a pretty cool program. It's, 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 um, it's for uh, elementary school kids, and uh, it's called Grandmother's Trunk, because we have a lot of archives, you know, being that Bayside was settled, um, well, the Matinecock people lived here pri prior, and then when the Europeans came in the, in the uh, late 1600s, um, so there's a bunch of stuff that, that's accumulated here and, um, you know, in, in our archive. And so Grandmother's Trunk, this, this elementary school program, it's, uh, it involves uh, our teachers coming and they wear cost period costumes from 1905. And, uh, and, so, and, and then the kids will come in from the bus comes, pulls up, they come in and they're waiting outside and they have these outfits on and the kids oh. are, are looking at them, you know. Like, <laughs> and then they show them, you know, the way that, uh, you know, irons were used in the mm -hmm. past. You know, you heat them up and put them over clothes and, and, they, and it's a really fun, and they get to, to play this, this game with the sticks and the hoops where they push oh, them around. Oh, yeah. What is that called? <laughs> Stick and hoop. <laughs> it yeah. might I wish, be. I wish I could tell you, you know, right, right, I'm right. embarrassing my people. No, right no, no. By not knowing <laughs> we'll the names. But um, yeah, so they do, they, they do that. They do, if it's a nice day, they'll do it outside or they'll do it right. in the ballroom. 
And uh, it's, it's a great program. So again, we're, we're stuck in this situation. So we started filming it yeah. and all of our teachers did it. Oh, cool. And they did a great job. And, and it, it's also available uh, online. So, um, you know, we just did, we're doing whatever we can to, to continue because we don't want to shirk our responsibility and our mission, you know, so, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, um, you mentioned that you have this whole archive here too. We got to see on our way in something new that's being mm. added to the archive, which is really exciting. Right. Um, which maybe you could tell us a little bit more about. And then I also am curious because this special thing that I'm not mentioning, uh, we, <laughs> we didn't want to touch it, of course. And I am curious how you just in general deal with these really old Right. items. I know I think of like, I know I've been to the archive area and the uh, conservation area at the Met and seen like all the gloves and oh, all these yeah. things. And I'm, I'm just curious how you handle old right. items here. I could tell you, yes. Um, well, I don't handle them in the first place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Step one, don't give them to me. <laughs> don't give them to me. Um, no, we have a full-time archivist here, Harvey. Uh, he's great. He's a Queens College graduate. He lives locally too. And, um, and he's a professional, you know, he has a degree in whatever it's called, uh, as an archivist degree. And, um, and he's great. He, ta he, takes, he takes the items, he puts his gloves on and whatever other materials he needs to wear to make sure it's safe. And he, uh, only, he, he, only he's allowed to touch the items and, he, and uh, depending on their, you know, how delicate they are. And, uh, and he'll go through them and he'll put them into the archive and, uh, you know, whatever it is that, the, that they do, um, he does it really well for us. And, and we've, we've had other archivists over the years. And uh, so we, it, stuff accumulates over time. Some of it's like, you know, what do you accept and not accept? Because mm. people will send you newspapers and you know, newspapers are great, but they don't have a, you know. The, so it's, sometimes it's like, what, what, do we, what do we accept and not accept? And, you know, what, because what's of value to the archive and what's, you know, so those, those are the choices that, that, that he, he'll make as well. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's good because the more that we can put together, the, be the better picture we can give to the future of what life was like before us and during and, yeah. Right, right. right. And so, I, go on. Oh, and I was just going to, uh, that, the stuff that we saw earlier today when we first walked in was a very oh. old Bible. Yeah. Right, and two right. marriage certificates. So. Yes. Those, I guess, came in and then they're waiting for the archivist to yes. take a look and page through it himself right. and move it downstairs and yeah. yeah. Yeah, that Bible looked like it had actual holy power. Like right. you, could, you could hold it up and lasers would shoot out or something. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about it. I just about as much as you guys know at this point because I walked in right before you got here and I saw it and I was like, Laura, our executive director. Yeah. What's that? She goes, oh, that was just given to us by a member of the public, and it's it's a Bible, and there's these two marriage certificates, and one's from 1890s, and one's from the 1860s, and the Bible is this huge Bible, as you saw with the clasp on it, and uh, so that's kind of why, I mean, I'm a volunteer. I'm the president of the organization, but it's a nonprofit, and I'm a volunteer, so, you know, why, why would you do this stuff, those moments? Right. You know, just yeah. to see those things and, and get to be one of the first people to lay eyes on it. You know, it's, it's not, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's why, it's why you, 
why you want to serve the community because the rewards like that are just really great. Absolutely. And uh, how frequently would you say that you received donations? Maybe not necessarily the aha moments, but like <laughs> with what regularity are things coming in? Yeah, I mean, every month something comes in. Yeah. Yeah, it, with, without a doubt. Um, you know, really amazing stuff, not as often, but, um, you know, but, it, but it's, it's, it's pretty, regu pretty regular. I think people out in the community know us. You know, we're a little separate because we're, we're in Fort Totten, mm -hmm. which for people who've been here for years, they, they, they know you can't cross the gate. But you can. It's it's not right, it's no longer it's right. no longer an army base. Right. I mean, there is an army base that they're actually to the south of us. It's it's the uh, the seventy seventh. It's a reserve unit. They're an active reserve unit. Um, but um, for years you couldn't come in here. But but for for a few decades now you can because it's a city park. And uh, so again, though we're up here and we're not in the town. We're not in the village. Mm. You know, Bell Boulevard being our main street. So, um, and I wish that we would have bought, there was a bell house on the corner of um, 38th and Bell. There's mm -hmm. two of them. Yeah. And uh, they were knocked down in the 60s. I was, oh. I was born in the 60s, so I, I, was, I couldn't help. <laughs> you weren't going to be able to buy but that. But if, if they were around now, there's no way I'd let them get knocked down. Uh, and, and, we had, and we were, there was, there's, it was, it's been said that we were going to buy one of them or have it donated to us or something like that. And it didn't happen. Wow. And it's a shame because as much as I love this building and I'm, I'm, I feel we're blessed to have it, it's a large building and it's mm. a lot to maintain and that's yeah. expensive. Yeah. And uh, being in the town would have been a little bit, our mission would have been a little smaller maybe, but it would have been, had more of the public coming in and out. Mm, sure. Right. So, but we're here and, and that's where we wound yeah. up and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And what's a, a little bit of the, now that we're here with, uh, with the Bayside Historical Society in general, like what, when did it start? What, what's mm. kind of the, the ramp up to today? Yes. It started in, um, in 1964. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I always remember that because I was born in 1965, so I, I, I never, <laughs> it's just a year older than me. Right. right. And uh, it started off small. It was founded by a Joseph, Joseph, Joseph Brown. Uh -huh. uh, he, um, he was, he really, he was a really intelligent and uh, kind of forward-looking kind of man who had a lot of passion for the community and wanted to save, um, you know, we, there was a, there's a cemetery. We can actually talk about this maybe in a, in a moment. Yeah. And in, in Lawrence Cemetery in, in town, and he, he, um, he worked to get it landmarked, which is a very important thing. This building is landmarked. This, we're in a landmark um, district here, Fort yeah. Totten, historic district. Um, but he, he, he was, um, he had a really, a lot of, like I said, a lot of passion for it, and he, he set us on the right path. And then it, it just, over the years, it, it stuck around and it got a little bigger. And then when we got, when we got this building, it, it kind of took off even further from there. Yeah. And this might be a little bit outside your knowledge scope, but I'm just thinking about it right now. Is landmarking as a concept, was that relatively new at that time? Or had that already existed mm. for a while? No, it, it, was, it was actually relatively new because I believe landmarking began with the destruction of Pennsylvania Station. Oh, oh wow. Right? Wow. So, and you guys saw that it was a Beaux Arts building, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful yeah. Building. And uh, that got knocked down. And I believe it was Jackie Kennedy became like, you know, the, the spokesperson for it. It was mm. other people. Mm -hmm. But she was just this famous person who had a passion for it as well. Yeah. And uh, they formed the LPC, the Landmark Preservation Commission. Oh. 
in in the sixties, and um, and one of the first buildings landmarked. You know, I don't know everything about it, unfortunately, but I believe um, uh, Grand Central. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, interesting. So, in Empire State Building and other other buildings, and and so the Lawrence Cemetery was landmarked in eighteen sixty seven. 1967. Oh, God. <laughs> 1967. <laughs> and, and, um, and this building uh, in 1974. Okay. okay. Wow. Well, I never knew that there was actually a good thing to come out of the Penn Station demolition, but yes. apparently that's it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I, people were heartbroken over it because it was this incredible building. Uh, and, um, you know, I guess they're trying to bring some of that back now. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I know you look at Penn Station now, though, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so many contrasts in New York, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, do you uh, interface with other historical societies around the five boroughs at all? Like, or is, there, is there any type of networking that happens? That's, that's a good question. Um, you know, occasionally with uh, Queens Historical Society, we have, uh, there's a guy there, uh, Jason Antos, a, a really great historian. He was on our board for a while. So occasionally we do, not that much. We should do it more. Yeah. We, really, we really should. Um, there's the Brooklyn Historic Society, there's the New York Historic Society. But you know, we're, we're this really small, local, little little thing, you know? Well, yeah. something that's interesting is you just named three of kind of like borough level historical societies. Yes. Are there other ones or is Bayside more uh, uncommon than one might think? Um, more uncommon. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, more uncommon. I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's other ones uh, even if, when you travel in New York or across the country, you, you find them here and there. Yeah. But um, you know they, they they tend to serve a very local. I mean, there's one in I remember there's one in New Paltz because I, I mm. visited this uh, Huguenot um, cemetery in, in New Paltz. Yeah. Go to that if you ever get a chance. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and the, so the historic society gave a little tour of the cemetery. Yeah. Which was great because the Huguenots are this French. Uh, I believe they're from France. Yeah, you know, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Christians who came here and settled. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to create a little network because I feel like you probably all have information that mm. you could share with each other where like even when something comes in, like snap a picture and send it out to your other historical society friends. Like, hey, do you know what this is? Or is this... <laughs> do you want this newspaper? <laughs> we don't need it. <laughs> yeah. I should mention there's, there's, there's also one in College Point. It's called the Poppin Hughes Institute. Mm. Oh. Right. Oh, have I you visited that building? I don't think we actually went in, but is it a big old school building? Yeah, it's this tall, really vertical uh, Victorian, uh, gorgeous building, which is also going to be knocked down. Oh, uh, I mean, boy, oh, the history, no. the history. No, it was going to be. Oh, it was oh, going. Okay. Oh, oh, it's oh, landmark. Okay, good. It's landmark. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, I mean, boy, College Point is a really interesting story. Even the story of Papenhuisen himself. I think Papenhuisen was a German immigrant. Who came here, and I think he made a lot of money during the Civil War. I think he made—he was into—he had a rubber factory oh. in in Whitestone, and he made buttons, and he sold a gazillion of them oh, wow. know, to the to the U.S. Army. But um, he was an industrialist. There was other industry there too, and and Whitestone, not Whitestone, uh, College Point was uh, went through a, a lot, a lot, a lot of changes. Yeah. It's too much to go into. But point being, yes, there are other. They're not really a historic society. They're actually. Um, what do they qualify as? They're kind of like one, but but they 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 have classes there and stuff. They're, they're they're pretty similar to us. I think they just actually are in a slightly different category. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's relevant to this particular week's walk and to your knowledge base. In so far as when we went through College Point, you know, it, 
we were we had never really gone through and it's an amazing place and if, if you're in the city you should go check it out because it's like it feels like it preserved slash forgotten you know like it, it and <laughs> i think that this area out here not preserved or forgotten but just kind of the corners of the city and the yeah. corners of queens have all this kind of interesting culture and something that a different flavor than what you might find in the rest of the city mm. and, Absolutely. and so you know did the i guess bayside slash douglaston slash little neck you know is kind of your wheelhouse and that's, that's right. what we're walking through this week yes um well i is is douglaston considered in any way a part of bayside is like is is there like an umbrella <laughs> kind of or, or is it really a separate thing entirely separate thing entirely i mean we share a lot of um you know they have it they're their, their quality of life and way of life is kind of similar. We're, we're a, a bedroom community, you know, to New York City. Mm -hmm. But um, but no, they're all separate. There, there's there's Little Neck, which is on the Nassau County border, uh, Long Island. And then mm -hmm. there's uh, a Douglaston and then there's Bayside. And we're separated by the bay that's out here that you can see. Oh. Um, Little Neck Bay. So, um, and Great Neck being on the other side of the bay, which is the beginning of Nassau. Um, so no, we're, they're, they're separate communities and they have separate train stations. <laughs> yeah, but are they similar? Yes. Yeah, uh -huh. very much. Yeah, and what, what historically, uh, chrono, chrono, chronologically, yes. which uh, where, where, what's the order of those three? Uh, okay, uh, I'd say that Bayside. Well, see, Bayside, Bayside didn't really come into existence as a as a name. Yeah. Uh, until probably some point in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, uh, I mean, Bayside was the original Gold Coast of like mm. Nassau County. There's the Gold Coast where where Gatsby, uh -huh. yeah. you know, and when and Faulkner. <laughs> That's Georgia. Yeah, Mississippi, Mississippi. When um, Fitzgerald, thank yeah. you, yeah. thank you, Brain. Uh, when Fitzgerald wrote wrote uh, the Great Gatsby, he went. You know, there's parts of Bayside he describes as parts of Corona, mm. and there's Parts of, of Douglaston and Great Neck, they, they get renamed. Yeah. West Egg and other names. Yeah. Oh, wow. But it's this community he, he's, he's talking about. So Bayside, I mentioned Gold Coast, Bayside originally was, um, it was either farmland or it was estates that were owned by uh, uh, wealthy New Yorkers. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, because it, it was, there was nothing here at the time. Um, so even, even Fort Totten itself was, originally it, it was settled by the Wilkins family, yeah. Wilkins Dorn family. Did we yeah. talk about that last time? Is that the family that has a yeah. gravesite here? Yeah. Yeah. Although, you... although there's nothing there to mark that they were that they were that they're buried there. Yeah. Wow. We we talked about it personally when we visited, and then we did kind of a facsimile presentation for people last time. But yeah, right. it. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So so the building. Well, we can't see it from here, but maybe you'll get a shot of it. Yeah. Building right there was their home. Yeah. And that that. The army used that. Actually, it was moved. It was somewhere else on on, on the peninsula, but um, that was their home, and they and they were wealthy New Yorkers who had an estate out here. Yeah, you know. So uh, and that's the that's the way that Bayside was until it, it got settled. So your question, back to your original question, because I'm always <laughs> rambling. No, no, no. That's okay. Was um which one's older? I I believe Bayside is probably older than Douglaston. Yeah. And Little Neck. I don't even know the origins of Little Neck because Little Neck is kind of. I don't know if amorphous is the right word for it, but it's just 
Nothing against you, little Nick. But um, <laughs> it's less defined. You know, Dobbison yeah. is, is, is basically is, is this peninsula, this arrowhead-shaped peninsula that, you, did you say you went there yesterday? I went to Douglas Manor and Douglaston, Douglas yeah, yeah. yeah. Douglas Manor. Douglas Manor is, is amazing. And that, so that's more distinctive. Bayside has a, has a real, like, has a main street and, and it has the, has the water. And, and uh, so it's a little more defined. Little Neck's a little, little less. So I'd say that it went Bayside, then Douglaston, and then Little Neck probably was part, part of the same time or after mm. uh, yeah. Douglaston overall. It, yeah, it seems like that that maybe Bayside has the most commerce of the three. Like if you were to you know say like yes. uh, a, a Main Street USA type thing right. back when it was a lot less city built up, that it that it seems like that has more of a walking city center or town center. It it does because it's it's because it, it's it's been it was it was uh, it had a Main Street. Bell Boulevard originally was Bell Avenue and. Originally, it was the it was the the country road that went through the Bell Farm. Mm. Yeah. The Bells had uh, had the their what they called their upper farm and their lower farm. The lower farm stretched to the east and went down to Little Neck Bay, and then the upper farm, which was where I live in Bell Court, uh, so they sold off the lower farm first, and they got developed, and then the upper upper farm, 1904, I believe it was, bought by Rickard Finley Corporation. Um, but the point being is that they had this main street, and so mm. it, it was. It was much. It's and it's a larger, it's a larger piece of land or community than than Douglaston, Douglas Manor, and, and Little Neck anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's 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 more built up. It has more a little more, uh, you know, history that you could speak of. Yeah. Yeah. So. They had it. Oh, I was just gonna ask. Is is that part of why you brought yourself to Bayside at all? Because it was a little <laughs> bit more built up. Or and then a second question is, I'm wondering how much about Bayside you knew before you came here and or yeah. was it mostly you came here and then you got all very interested in it the latter the yeah. latter <laughs> yeah I, I moved here my wife and i we weren't married at the time we moved here in 95 had an apartment over a house right next to bayside high school for four years and worked our tails off to save money and then bought our house at a time when prices historically had dropped nice. so besides Besides being married, the greatest piece of luck I ever had in my life was was when we bought the house at that time. Yeah. Because the, the prices have gone through the roof now, and and I feel bad for young families who are trying who would like to move here. Um, anyway, but we came to Bayside '95, bought a house in '99. I didn't know anything about Bayside at all. In fact, I didn't know much about Queens. I'm a Long Island kid, mm -hmm. you know, and I, although I lived around the country and I was in the military, but. Um, Queens was kind of like it was kind of the place you drove through to get to Brooklyn and Manhattan. Right, yeah, yeah. right. And and because of the nature of, of the Long Island Expressway or even the Grand Central, you know, you don't see any any of it. You know, because the LAE is down, it's it's below grade. You know, so you're driving and, and all you see is like the edges of a building. Which right. Is on, and who wants to live on the edge of the expressway anyway? <laughs> so, you know. And then the Grand Central, which is a beautiful road, is, it has all trees around it. So I didn't know anything about really about Queens. And, uh, and that's a loss, and, and, but I, I made up for it. So, uh, <laughs> so I, and then I just, the reason I got involved in this in the first place, if that's what your question was leading yeah. to, is because we moved here, well, we moved here because it was, it was within this ring we drew, because we both work in Manhattan. You know, so we said, Let's, let, we have to move, I wanted to move, 
to Lo Long Island City. Okay. I wanted to get a loft or something, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm, an, I'm a musician and uh, so I, I wanted to live, you know, Williamsburg or, or, uh, or LIC and, and before Williamsburg blew up and LIC and uh, my wife, but my wife didn't want to have it because, you know, our family lived, lived in Long Island at the time and so she wanted to still be close to that. So this was a good compromise and had a train station mm -hmm. with the walk you know, walk to the train station, go to work. And my commute was, before the pandemic, was uh, 45 minutes door to door. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's wow. great. That's why, it's part why you want to live here. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it had, but it had nice old houses. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm trying to get to. So our house is built in 1920 and we would walk around this, this community after we got the apartment and we're like, oh, look at that style. And look at that style. And look at that style. And then we noticed, oh, that house isn't there anymore. It got knocked down. Oh my gosh. And, and they, would build this brick monopoly hotel shaped thing with, <laughs> meanwhile there was this curved Dutch colonial or Tudor with all these great appointments and, and then it was gone and, and then they would, would, the fence goes up and they, and they build this thing and it's oversized for the property and uh, it drove me crazy. So, and then I met a guy uh, named Brixton Doyle who since moved out of here and left me to do all this stuff. Oh. <laughs> but Brixton said, hey, do you know that, that, that these, these places are illegal? I said, what do you mean they're illegal? He goes, no, they're, they're, they're taking the zoning and they're twisting it. He took the time, what a bright fellow. He took the time to examine the zoning text for the single family R2 detached homes and said, yeah, they're cheating. And he, and he showed me how. And then we started on this, this passionate trail to, to reform that. And we did. We got R2 zoning changed to R2A, which removed the cheats. Oh, wow. So, um, but all those things led me to like preservation mm. and, and, and then someone said, you should really join the historic society. They could use someone with you, like you, who has this interest. And then a few years later, I became the president and, uh, so what's the timeline? Amazing. I, the, we hadn't talked about the zoning before. What, what's the timeline of that? Like uh, when you first started, and how long did it take to change mm. things? Was there resistance, or were they like, "You are right," you know? Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the zoning stuff for me, because I bought we bought the house in '99. I, I joined the community board in community board eleven in two thousand and six, I believe. So, and Bayside was rezoned 2005. So let's say 2002, three and four was when we were seeing all these changes because wow. that was a, it was going on beforehand, but it wasn't as, uh, as aggressive or even egregious. So it got much, much more, like a lot of money was flowing in here for development. Mm. And uh, I guess the economy changed at that time. And, uh, and, and it, it, it was like, wow. So. We were lucky that we had a, a, a city councilman at the time, Tony Avella, and uh, he initially was against, he wouldn't take our calls, but he, he saw the truth in it. And he's like, wow, you guys are right. And, and he totally did 180 and said, we have to reform this zoning and we have to get the city to do it. And luckily the Bloomberg administration, uh, a lot of rezonings happen all throughout Queens, mm. not just here, they happened in, in, in Laurelton, they happened in Fresh Meadows. They happened uh, all across the, you know, our area and, and throughout throughout Queens, and the Bloomberg administration was was uh, was okay with that, and and massive changes happened, for the better. Okay. Um, and some were down zoning, some were up zonings, but a better way to to a better balance because what was happening was that you had, the city was zoned, 
I don't want to bore you with this, so I'll just... No, I, I love this is, it. This I, loved, I love these right, cool. sorts of if things. If people don't like it, they've already changed the channel. So yeah. that's right. Okay. Well, if you're interested, yeah. in, in, in 1961, the city did this... Uh, I can't speak to this with great detail, but I'll give you a general picture. 1961, the city was zoned. Yeah. The entire city got, got zoned. It wasn't really necessarily zoned. It had spot zoning, hmm. but they did this uniform... Uh, process where, where the whole city was zoned. And they said, planners at the time said, in the year 20, in the year 2000, we anticipate that New York will have 15 to 20 million people. So they designed the zoning to accommodate 15 to 20 million people. Wow. Well, as we know, throughout the 60s, things got worse and worse. And then the 70s, people were leaving the city mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. And I didn't live here yet. But um, and that didn't happen. Right now we have 8 million yeah. and change. And it's kind of been post-COVID, or during COVID, it's been shrinking a little bit. So, but the zoning, that's the whole point. The zoning, which zoning, if you don't know, it just means, you know, what can you build on a piece of property? The zoning was for growth. Wow. So that's why in these communities like ours and Flushing in particular, you know, there's, there were streets in Flushing where you had two family houses, but it was zoned for R5 and R6, which is, you know, so you would have wow. a two row of two family houses and all of a sudden, boom, Some you'd have a, a, a 20, 20 story tower oh that gosh. popped up. And if you live next to that, that pounding of, of, of and drilling and, and building, I'm not against that kind of housing because right. whatever, people have to live somewhere. But if you lived there, the way that affected you and the way that made you feel and, and then you had to sell it and, and does it affect your, your, your properties? Because... The one thing people spend a lot of money on in their life is, is their house. You right. Know? And some people, and, and I'm blessed, I get, we have a house. Some people don't even have a house. But if you do have a house, you know, it's the one thing that you, you have a mortgage and, you know, a mortgage is you paying a heck of a lot of interest before you get to the principal, which we did. And, um, Congratulations. <laughs> so it's a big, big deal. That's the point. Yeah. And, but the zoning was for growth and we had to have some of that changed here and it was a Fortunately, a lot of people in the community, you know, Queens, people are fairly civically active. Um, they just, they wouldn't have it. So, and we were lucky that the Bloomberg administration, um, you know, which I have mixed feelings about. Um, sure. Everybody does. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, they did the right thing and I give them credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually curious um, what, like, your neighbors were feeling because, of course, you're, you're reacting to people who are buying these older houses, knocking them down, redoing them by yeah. using the loophole. Would you say that, like, did you have any personal pushback? <laughs> like, did your neighbors know that you were involved? Like, did you have anyone that was like, hey, I wanted to use that loophole and now I can't? Or was it mostly people oh, being like, what a great question. happy that you were? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never, when they had, we had the hearings at the community board, there were, there were guys, who probably worked in the building community who were kind of threatening about it. Mm. You know, like, who are you, not just me, but other, other, other ones of us, you know, who are you to, to tell me what I can and can't do? Well, I'm not telling you anything. Right. The zoning tells you what you can do. Right. And this is non-contextual, meaning, you know, if you can build a 10-story building next to a two-family two house, which is just two stories high, something's wrong with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not telling you what you can and can't do. But you know this this isn't right. It's it's non-contextual, and the city needs to adapt. If if there was a bunch of towers already there, then fine, build more of them. Sure. You know if that's if that's what the way the the market is going or whatever. But 
if it's non-contextual like that, then, then you really owe it to, to the people who live there already to, to give them, you know, a community, a plan for their community that, that's sensible. Mm. So, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. So it was mostly like the developers that were upset, but the community itself was, was yeah, I think the community by and large was, was wanted it. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't say that I, I, don't, I don't ever blame anybody for buying whatever house, whatever sure. house they can afford to live in or want to live in, you know, that's, that's their freedom to do so. And, and so I, I don't criticize an owner. And I don't even criticize a builder because if, if the law lets you do something, then you're just doing what the law allows you to do. And we totally. have this thing called as of right building in New York City. There's no there's no review. Mm. You know, if the, if the zoning says you can build this, it doesn't. You're just allowed to build it. Other cities have have a review where we're like, well, yeah, you can build that there, but actually, that's that that doesn't make any sense for this community. We don't have that. This right. is like the wild west here. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think everybody, you know. It's it's listen. It's your right to to to, to build whatever you, you can build there, but it's also our right to get the government and and in this case the the Department of City Planning and the Department of Buildings to be responsive to what we want to. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other either specific to Bayside or just in general to the city? You know, for those that aren't familiar with zoning, are there like some kind of hot button issues currently mm. or some bugaboos historically that like yeah. uh, people people that would be good for people to know about right well currently there's there's a major thing going on uh, with uh, the, the the speaker of the city council Corey Johnson um, wants to change the way that uh, the city is um, that planning happens in the city. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah, it's a it's a heck of a long story. That I, I, I don't want to bore people to tears about, but it's called <laughs> planning together. Okay. And the okay. one thing it isn't is planning together. Okay. It's oh, a gosh. top down. It doesn't. I'm I'm a community like I said said before. Uh, I'm a community. I'm on the community board. I've been on it since 2006, and uh, you know, again. When anybody, there's community boards, every city, every mm. community in the city. Sure. You probably know, I'm sorry. Sure. No, no. Has oh, community yeah. boards, you know, and it's just local people who care about their community and want to have a say in what goes on. We don't, our, our vote almost always is, a, is, a, is just a recommendation on anything. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't have a, we don't have a league, we, we don't legally say what goes on anywhere. That's for the city council, the council member and the agencies and the mayor all as well to decide. But, um, so, planning together is this current uh, plan that, that Corey Johnson put together, and, and it, it, would, um, it would change the way that we, it would bring comprehensive planning, yeah. is the term, to New York, New York City. Does New York City need comprehensive planning? Definitely. Because development is very often uh, unfair to, to people of color and to, and to lower economic, socioeconomic groups, and um, so I, I totally support it. But if you're gonna do anything, this is the whole problem. This is one of the larger problems we have in, in New York City, is that if you want to do something, uh, you know that that's so. This is very consequential because it, it this planning together forces communities to to accept uh, up zonings. Mm. And we just worked for a down zoning, 2005 here, right. and, and through a seven to ten year period all across Queens, because we were upset with it. And now they want to come along and, and force up zoning up zonings on us, and. Uh, you know, comprehensive planning, yes. Do we need to we need to, to to disadvantage groups 
and people who have been discriminated against absolutely need better representation and, and, a, and a safer, you know, better place to live. And but you should include the community. That's the right. whole point. Mm -hmm. You know, you should you should include the council member. He didn't even. He launched his plan and he's bringing it to the city council and he didn't tell anybody about it. Huh. And this happens a lot. This is my, in my experience is that a lot of these things when when they don't when the mayor's office or in this case the the speaker doesn't want to deal with with problems or deal with deal with us, they'll just go ahead and do something right. and then and then we have to play catch up to to to, to deal with it. Yeah. And, and that and that's that's what I don't like about it. I, I really believe if you watched was Harvey Milk was um, mm -hmm. was he the mayor of San Francisco? Yes. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he changed the way that their council worked. That that local communities had a lot more say in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Instead of being, it was very top down. And I think he switched it so that the power was shared more. Now there's a problem in that too, potentially, because you could have corruption at a local level. Sure. No doubt about it. My people aren't corrupt. <laughs> you know, we're we're, we're in it. For very pure reasons, just just to right. keep our quality of life. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I think we need to find a balance where where it's not so top down, and that you know you'd have you, we can we can move forward. I, I mean, I have no problem with with making concessions for the greater good, but it, we should be involved in it. Totally. And so planning together, right? Yes. So, so that's what people should look out for. Uh, yeah. Is it something that is in in this like? already happening or is it proposed like proposed. what is it? Yeah, it's a bill it's a it's a proposed bill that would that would extreme that would go very very far changing the way that that right now we have this process called the Euler process the universal land use um, rp <laughs> and uh, and so review process review maybe. process that's the man <laughs> so so if if you want to do something that falls under the Euler process, which is this public review, then what happens is that that, that change, say that you say you want to change zone, a zoning uh, for an area, that's just one example, well then it goes to the community board, which reviews it, and makes a recommendation that we vote, and make a recommendation, non-binding, that the borough president go, sees. And then once the borough president sees it, then, then it goes, it goes, it goes to the city council and the mayor, and, and it has to go through this process. You know, that's important. Even though our vote, like I said, be, said to you, that the community board it's not binding, but at least we get to review it and we get to speak about it, and we were an influence. Right. But when you go the other way around and take out the Euler process, you know, then so there's much more details to, to the bill. If anybody wants to read about it, you you can read about it. Yeah. Right now, it's it's in it's in committee. And uh, Corey Johnson, funny enough, who's an outgoing, you know, he's a lame duck. I'm not really sure why you would do something so significant during a pandemic that'll, it's, it's beyond words. I just make, it makes me think that without being overly suspicious that he has other, other things in mind and he just figures I'll just do this while I still can. And Corey, if you're listening, you should really involve the community in something so major. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, maybe we'll send him this segment We've, we've seen the New York City community come together to call on their council members, even just this year with the, uh, the 50A or 501A repeal yes. that happened over the summer. That was because of people talking about it in forums like this and then spreading the word. Yeah. And then everybody called their council member. So that's maybe, how, we, maybe we've got to get <laughs> yeah. on this one now as a, right. as a New yeah. York City community. Yeah. The, well, again, so if I could put just one more note on it, is that 
the goal of it, I, again, I'm not against the goal of it, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's a pretty sneaky way to, to do something so major. You know, you should really involve more people in the process in, of, of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I agree. Yeah, I'm interested to learn more about it. Same. I mean, yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears for a second. Uh, we have been talking to all sorts of different people this year, and we've gone through all different professions. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to an accountant. Uh, last week, we spoke to a hip-hop artist. Uh, this week, uh, we're speaking to you, and uh, each time we speak to these people, we like to ask about what COVID has done to their day-to-day -day life. Mm. And uh, so you're in video production. Yes. And uh, we just wanted to, you know, speak a little bit about that profession and how it may have changed during this past uh, year plus. Catastrophic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm very lucky that, that, uh, that my wife has a, a job in healthcare. Mm. Yeah. Which has been affected by COVID certainly, but right. it hasn't made it less, you know, there's plenty of work in, in healthcare. So, and, and I'm, you know, we're a little older, so, so we're not, uh, if, if I had bought the house last year, oh, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, it would be in foreclosure right now. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't worked since, since April. Wow. It's been really, really last April. So it's been <laughs> really, really tough. Um, I lost my mom also. It, to COVID oh, during that period. That. No, I'm sorry, yeah. So uh, it was a really tough year. Um, been on unemployment, but uh, thank God it's there. Yeah. You know, I really is so happy that, that it's there. And, and so many people have it worse than, than, than I do. So I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. But um, it's, 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 if anything, besides the financial issues, which really aren't so bad for us personally, but it's just that not having, not working. I love my job. Right. Yeah. You know, not everybody loves their job. You like your job. You like your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love my job too. I, you know, I've traveled. I've been to four Super Bowls. I've been to Madagascar. I've been to, you know, all these different countries across Australia a few times across the world, you know, meeting new people, interviewing them. I do the sound part of it. You know, when I put these yeah. things right. on. Things Hope we can live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it will. Yeah. The technology is so good now that really my job is. It's a, but, um, you know, but carrying. Cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> cut that out. No, like carrying equipment, going through yeah. airports, you know. I, I, it's, it's great. I've, I've, been, I've worked in, I've been lucky enough to work in, in audio since I was in my early 20s. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So I went to school for English. I was going to be an English teacher. I wanted to be an English professor. And then my band at the time uh, got signed to a really small label. We went on tour, put out an EP. And then I came back and I was like, am I going, am I going to go to grad school or am I going to continue to record music? Because I was always the guy who had the four track and recorded my band, my friend's band, you know, the techie kind of guy. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I just, I love technology and, and uh, so been lucky in that, that fact. Last year it's been, been rough with COVID of yeah. course. Yeah. And so did you work for a production company or were you freelancing for various productions? Like what, what was the, the gig situation like exactly? Yeah, I'm, I'm a freelance. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I was steady enough that um, I should say, I, years maybe over the last 10 years prior maybe less than 10 maybe maybe eight years prior i worked a lot less because mm. uh, we, we have a son and um 
one of us had to stay home, so and I had the right. freelance job, so yeah. I took a lot less work. Yeah, and my business was really growing too. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's okay. I, I still manage to work. I, and uh, one of my one of the people I work for lives right here in Bayside. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so he'll come pick me up in the morning, and we'll go to work. So, you know, or I'll take the train, whatever it is. But yeah. uh, no, so I, I continue to work, and. Uh, and you know, hopefully, hopefully it all comes back. I, I think I think it will. Yeah. I think it will. Yeah. yeah. Have you um, have you heard about any anything starting to come back? I know some people that work in like the wardrobe prop area mm. of film shoots, and right. uh, I've heard they're starting to try and figure it out. But it sounds kind of dicey. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it's all based on on how close you, people are to one another. Right. And, you know, I, I saw some some productions being done in the city. I saw some. In um, in L.A., so yeah. Listen, I, I have no doubt it's going to going to come back. So some of I mean the media still goes on and and programs are still being shot, but it just it just outside of, of those I think of those shows basically. Which, plus, you could also shoot a show in another country or another state that's right. more permissive. You know, I'm 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 just a New York guy. So whatever the New York rules are on COVID, from the mayor to the governor, really the governor, um, then that I'm gonna. Have to follow them. So. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. And then, so as your freelancer, obviously, uh, relationships is the the big way that you get work. So, Definitely. how do you maintain those in this time? I mean, I could imagine. Uh, you know, we happen to be doing something that uh, is very particular. Uh, so I, you know, we we talk to you about doing an interview and like, you know, there's no money exchange. We're just, you know, yeah. so it's a fun thing. But, you know, I would imagine uh, potentially if I were a freelance and I'm wanting for jobs that there would be this, you know, do I reach out? Am I bothering you? You know, what's my relationship with this person? You know, for some people, okay, we're very familiar long term. I wouldn't mind reaching out. But other people, you know, uh, I might be a little hesitant. Like, how, how does that work for you? Right. Um, yeah, I maintain my relationships with people that I work with. Um, I'm, you know, become, it's, I've done it for a while, so I became friends with a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, once they they come back, then then it'll come back together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. For all for all of us, so I I I'm not really overly worried about it because because uh, we're all in the same boat. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Know, so. yeah. And you know they they need they need people to, to work and I need them to hire me. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. And, and I, I also, I'm also a musician too, which I do on the side, just mostly for fun, sometimes yeah. for, for pay. And, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm in a cover band that plays, that plays a bunch. And I was, a, I, I write songs too. Um, I don't perform those. I used to years ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so so that also got affected, you know, because yeah. Yeah. bars are closed and uh, even outdoor shows were, were closed. So, and my, the cover band I played in plays like you know 30, 30 to forty shows a year. We played a wow. lot of shows, especially over the summer, and uh, all gone. Right. <laughs> Do you are cover? You oh, go on. Yeah, I was just gonna ask, are you still able to get together and practice a bit now? Um, no, we don't no. even practice, but we were together for quite a long time, so. You know, we'll just get back and do it. Just, it it'll, it'll, it'll yeah, these are songs I've been hearing, you know, since it's, it's classic rock stuff. So not stuff that I'm not necessarily. I like. I'm more of an '80s guy, you know, <laughs> you know alternative '80s, yeah. '90s music kind yeah. of person. But um, and this is like '70s and '60s, which I love too. I, I don't want to put it down. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's like um, I've been hearing this stuff since I was a kid. Right. right. So, so it'll, it'll just, come right back. What's, your, right back. Yeah. what's your instrument? 
I play guitar. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it'll just come through your fingers. It just come. I mean, I play every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah. It's, it's like, if I don't play guitar in, on a day, I remember when I, was in the, when I was in the Air Force, you know, you go to basic training. And uh, so that was, that was eight weeks, you know. And then they had a, the last week we were able to go to the rec center. And I hadn't played guitar at that point, almost two months. Oh, wow. And I picked it up and, and I was like, oh, it must be lefty. <laughs> you oh, my know? Gosh. I'm a righty. I said, it must be a lefty because it feels so weird. It's just that I hadn't played in two months. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Did it come back quickly, though? No, it came yeah. back. It yeah, went, it, it just, just like felt... I, was, I was just like, oh, I was shocked by it, you know? So, yeah. so that's how, you know, that's why I play every, every day. And, and it's, you know, it gives me a lot of peace. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> and so 30 to 40 shows when the cover band is really going, uh, are they uh, in Queens? Are they all over the five boroughs? Are you going to the Jersey Shore? Like, what is, yeah. what's, the, what's the range? Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's basically a North Shore, like, Queen, you know, like College Point, you know, this part of Queens, yeah. Bayside, out to, uh, say, Oyster Bay. Okay. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, really Some, local? Yeah, some, somehow nice. we fell into that, and we play all the bars and, and you know, just, some, sometimes private shows, you know, yeah. parties and stuff in, yeah. in, nice. in between. And it, it's a blast. I love yeah, it. I was going to say, it's got to be a lot of fun. It it's a so ton fun. of fun. Yeah. It's, it's, especially, you know, we set up our own equipment. So, you know, there's no roadies. So. Right. right. So when you first get there and you're bringing all the stuff out of the van, I got to go from, from my house to the van, van to the location, <laughs> you know, <laughs> take it all out, set it up, you know, get sound check. Everybody's rushing along, you know, grab a beer. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then you play. All that stuff is work, but when you play and if it ha if it, if you're connecting, right, it changes everything mm. because there there really is, and I'm sure people in much more successful in the music industry than I am will tell you that that when you play a show and and the audience is is reacting and they're with you on it, it makes this this feedback loop. Right? Oh, and so it's, cool! It's, you could cut it with a knife, man. It's it's so <laughs> great. Yeah, it's really so cool because if they're enjoying themselves and they're singing and they're dancing. And they want to hear more music, and then you feel that, and your performance just gets better. Yeah, yeah. and just goes on this loop, and, and and so that's what I miss the most. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That energy exchange is what I think we're all missing out on that to some yeah. degree. It's like being able to just be casually like enjoying yourselves in whatever your medium is. Totally. Yeah. 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 I look forward to when we can come see you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When that, this is oh. all over. What's the name of the, of the act? Out. You're not going to walk there, are you? No. Maybe. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be great. That would be really great. What's the name of the group? Um, it's called, I didn't name it. <laughs> it's called Chickenhead. <laughs> because Amplified, old, we, we're vintage people. And yeah. vintage amplifiers have these knobs called chicken head knobs. Oh. They're these like pointers. You've probably seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's called the chicken head knob. So some, <laughs> the bass player, Eddie, decided to call it chicken head and we all just went with it. <laughs> that's nice. great. And, uh, you know, so it works out. Yeah. That's great. And did you know, did you meet once you moved to Bayside? Have you known them longer? Like how is it that? Oh, yeah. No, I, I know them because my friend Al Samergian, who's um, a teacher and a poet and a musician, songwriter, yeah. He, um, check out his website, yeah. alansemergian.com. He, um, <laughs> I recorded his band Surreal, they were called Surreal, years ago. And, uh, and I'm friends with Al, and Al knew Eddie, who I mentioned before, the bass player, who lives out in Seacliff. And uh, so he 
Eddie has a, Eddie lives on the beach in Seacliff. Um, you'd think he's, by saying he lives on the beach, you'd think he's this incredibly wealthy man. <laughs> but, but he's not. He's, just, he's a regular working guy like me, and he's just, he's just wealthy in, in, in his life. But uh, no, he, he bought his house at the same time, same year, uh, same month that I did here. Nice. Wow. Down nice. And, and he and I, I didn't know him at the time. And he bought his house, I bought my house. And then I met him a few, few years later, I suppose, because every, every 4th of July, he has a party on his house, at his house, and, and people come to Seacliff to watch the fireworks. Oh, yeah. wow. To the beach there. Yeah. So um, they come by, and then there's a band playing. So I, I went that one time, and then we hit it off. And, and then the guitar player who was in the band left, and then they're like, Paul, you want to join? And I was like, yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's how I made that, that connection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that serendipitous thing is, is what makes life kind of cool. And yeah. Totally. You know? Absolutely. I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you've given us so much to awesome content to review. We gotta we gotta <laughs> check out Chicken Head. Uh, we gotta <laughs> check out uh, the the art show from the Bayside Historical yeah. Society, mm -hmm. and the zoning stuff is actually you know I, we you know you're you're being very conservative when uh, you say you know don't you know don't want to bore people, but I think it's really important, yeah. and I think it's really interesting too. You know, when you think about what it means. Uh, to be a part of a community yes. and uh, and how the you know we don't just get from uh, historical buildings to skyscrapers or and anything in between by accident these right. things all happen yeah. and uh, if you really care about where you live uh, you should you should pay attention yeah you know? and you I think should. people love to have well opinions about things like we love to look at a building and say that's ugly and look at another building <laughs> and say that's nice and why do all these people live here? Whatever. And this is like, you can actually think about it ahead of time before it happens and maybe help to make things the way that you want it to that be. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I tell my son that everything comes down to the law, one. So zoning is, is law of sorts, you know, because it's said what you can and can't do. Sure. And, every, and, and, and that saying of, you know, follow the money. It's those two things. The stuff that, I, that we do as activists, you, we don't get paid for. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, I don't earn anything from it other than satisfaction that, that I'm helping the community and, and what the community would like to have. And, uh, you know, again, Northeast Queens, where we live, <laughs> College Point's funny place. I'm glad you went to visit. <laughs> um, you know, Whitestone, Douglaston, Little Neck. Um, and even even we we like to say any any of the parts of Queens that are east of the Van Wyck Expressway, mm -hmm. right? You know we have something in common, and uh, and I, I like it here. I didn't I didn't come from here. I moved here in the late '90s and bought a house, and uh, you know I came really I, lo I love the place. I'm not gonna I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. You know everybody. It's snowing out. You know we talked about snow before. Yeah. It's like everybody wants to move to Florida at my uh, age. You know. Yeah. I got nothing against Florida, yeah. but there's no way I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> That's good. There's yeah. no way I'm moving to Florida. You know, I'd rather live in Brooklyn. Sure. I'd rather get more urban, you know, not here, but, but there, yeah. you know, yeah. but, or stay here. And, I, and I, I'm sure that, that we're going to stay here for the, for the rest of our time because I got a 25-minute commute on the train. I can walk to the train in seven minutes. I'm in Manhattan in 20 and 25 minutes. 
you know, I can drive to Brooklyn without traffic in 20 minutes, you know, to Williamsburg, go yeah. to a show. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's what makes me high in life, you know. So, yeah. Why the heck would I leave here? Why would I go to Florida where, the, where, the, where, the, where it's hot as heck all <laughs> summer, the humidity is boundless, you got to stay inside the whole yeah. time. Yeah. So you got to shovel. Shoveling is good. So what? Yeah, exactly. Right. What it's heck, good you know? for you. I like digging around my car. <laughs> you know, I like making the, the paths for, for when my son was little for him to run through. And totally. Oh, come on. Yeah. 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 What's the, the <laughs> I worst? love New York. Yes. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks. It's Thank really you. cool. It's, yeah. when, when, when Laura, our executive director, told me about it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. They walk everywhere? <laughs> wow, how cool is that? How, how, how good is that for the planet, you know? And, yeah. and uh, what a great concept. I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. much. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that was our talk with Paul. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Next week, we're heading back into the city. We're going to be in Manhattan for a full month doing themed walks there and we are looking forward to it that's right march is manhattan month our last month in manhattan so we'll hope you will join us next month as we do various themes again um, if you like what you're listening to what you're watching please uh, give a like and subscribe the like helps us uh, share it around the youtubes the subscribe lets you know when more stuff's coming out and uh, yeah, thanks so much as always for folks that have stuck around with us and we really appreciate the support. And yeah. Yeah, thanks for being here. Take Bye. care for now. Bye.